This is the Wellness Puzzle Podcast with Andrew Jobling, author, speaker, educator, entrepreneur, and AFL player. Join Andrew as he continues his lifelong journey as a student of human behavior. This podcast will help you live your passion, explore your potential, step into your power, and embrace your possibilities. Embrace your possibilities. possibilities. Hello, Andrew Jobling. This is the Wellness Puzzle Podcast, and it's wonderful to be with you again this week. And my guest is the amazing Dr. Alan Meyer. Alan Meyer's got an incredible history of success. Many, many decades he has worked as a pastor. He is a speaker. He is an author. In 1992, Alan, together with his wife Helen, established Careforce Life Keys. And it's a ministry that releases healing, discipleship, and evangelism, and has done so in more than 2,300 churches and organizations in over 20 countries all around the world. Dr. Meyer and I met in 2019, and since that time, I've built such an incredible association, friendship, and partnership with this man, and he's a wonderful, wonderful human being, and he's got a very, very powerful perspective on finding your purpose, which is really what this podcast is going to be all about. So I know you're going to enjoy this. It's probably going to challenge you a little bit. It's going to inspire you a lot. So please enjoy my wonderful conversation with Dr. Alan Meyer. One of the greatest pleasures that I've experienced in the last 12 months is meeting Dr. Alan Meyer. And I'm just wrapped, mate, that you're here chatting to me. Well, mate, if I'm your greatest pleasure, you've got to get out more. That's all I can say. Mate, I said in the last 12 months. (laughs) I've been around a while. (laughs) And it's amazing how I think the way you meet someone and the way Alan and I met and then what's happened since then. This was, uh, we met first time in June 2019, didn't we, Alan? Yeah. Matt, at the church that I go to, organized a men's event and I was one of the speakers. Alan was one of the speakers. We met and both of us, it's amazing how both of us spoke at that event and what I spoke about was totally insignificant compared to what I got from hearing you speak. And I think maybe some of the stuff that I spoke about resonated with you as well. And it's sort of ever since then, it's been a real wonderful journey getting to know you. Well, it's a pleasure. And it was a life changer for me because um, that was a, an encounter where I, I think I had a, a very important opportunity to think about the stage of life that I was at and, uh, the uh, important changes that I was going to need to make. And you've been a very valuable part of that change. Oh, I appreciate I'm, it. You're welcome, mate. And I'm glad I could be a part of that change. And, and the stuff you spoke about, which I really want to dig into in this episode is, you know, you spoke a lot about meaning and purpose. And I talk in my book, The Wellness Puzzle, and I certainly talk when I speak around optimal well-being and helping people live a life of joyful longevity and really that foundational piece is finding your meaning and finding your purpose. So that we will get into that, but we're not going to jump in straight into it because I want to really dig into more about you, mate, because you're an intriguing man. You, you've done a lot of incredible stuff. At the age you're at, and we won't say your age, but you're in a mature phase of life. There's no doubt about it. And the fact that what you're doing is incredible, mate. Unfortunately, we can't be face-to-face for circumstances that are happening in the world as we're recording this, and both Alan and I are quite touchy-feely. We like a bit of a hug and a bit of a man hug, don't we, mate? Absolutely. <laughs> but what you're doing is you're doing great stuff. I mean, you're out speaking. You're now getting way better with technology, and, and you're inspiring many, many lives. Tell us a little bit about your journey because you've done an enormous amount of stuff. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about how you've sort of got to where you are today? Well, a lot, of, uh, a lot of your life is always Im- impacted by your family of origin. And uh, I would look back on my childhood as being a benign and privileged beginning to life because I was raised in the home of a dad who was a school teacher and a mother who was a farm girl. And uh, my father loved my mother. And as a result, I grew up in a home where uh, the biggest problems were created by me so if I had to figure out you know what the problem of life was I didn't have to look to the misbehavior of others I could uh, look to the misbehavior of myself and that at least that was under my control my dad was an honorable man my dad was a, a Christian a follower of Christ my mother was had been raised in the Lutheran church 
and uh, she'd had her own personal experience of God's grace when she was a, a teenager. And my dad grew up in the old gold mining town of Malden in Victoria. He was from a family of nine children. And uh, in growing up in that, uh, you know, through the Depression and the, those, the early years of the 20s and 30s, um, he became a school teacher and headed to, he was posted out to the farming district of the Mallee. And there he met my mum when she was only 13 years of age. She was, a, she was a, one of the girls who was in his class. And eventually, as my mother grew in age and my father uh, got to know her later as a teenager, he fell in love with her. The Second World War was the disruption that they had to live through. Six years of waiting for marriage while uh, the, that war was raging. And then they kind of moved to Melbourne and I was born in 1947, which gives you an age bracket. Do and, the maths. Uh, <clears throat> if people want to do yeah, the maths, do they the can. Math. If you've got a calculator that goes up to those numbers, <laughs> that'll work for you. An abacus, maybe. And so we, I grew up in a, in a developing eastern suburb of Melbourne, and I went to a high school that now would be viewed as one of the best uh, government schools in, uh, in the state, if not the country. And I, so growing up in that environment, I grew up in an environment loving sport and just enjoying life and being a churchgoer with my parents on the weekend. Got to say, I was not a serious-minded student at any point. Uh, I was in it for the fun and uh, enjoyed every kind of sport. Loved playing cricket, loved playing football, loved playing golf. I was just no good at any of them. <laughs> um, but the older I got, the, the more I kind of uh, mastered to some degree all of those sports and have played them right through to this to this age. I was 49 when I think I played my last game of football. Did you really? Oh, That's yeah. incredible, mate. No, I mean, I, I, I crawled across the line. I, was, I think I was 35 when I finally retired from the sport. <laughs> I was held, oh, my man. body was held together with Band-Aids and a whole range of things, but, yeah, 49. Well, I, didn't get beat up, I didn't get beat up as badly as you did because I, I was playing A-grade amateurs rather than league football, and as a result, I didn't carry many war wounds, but I did discover the older I got when you tried to leap up the back of the pack, um, gravity seemed to have got a stronger hold on my life it couldn't get off the ground yeah, it was just one of I those know, tragedies of getting off <laughs> but uh, the joy of life was that I enjoyed being a student all I ever wanted to be was a school teacher I loved school I thought it was the best thing that ever happened to you and so I went off to university on a scholarship and uh, having already met my the girl who would become my wife she was a year behind me in high school and we connected the year after I left high school um, during university, I was planning to be or training to become an economics teacher or a commerce teacher. And not, again, not a serious person. Just uh, I, I would not so describe myself as a particularly moral human being. I didn't mind stealing petrol from other people. And <laughs> How I'd did stop. you steal petrol from other people? Oh, you just get yourself a hose and a can and siphon it out in the night. Did you really? You I did. I man. got to, yeah, my first year uni, I was... Uh, Arrested by the police for siphoning petrol out of a police car. You didn't. <laughs> yeah. the, uh, Only you, mate, would pick a police car of all the cars on the road. Pick a police car to siphon petrol. It was petrol. unmarked at the time, oh. and as a result, it wasn't. It wasn't just a brain fade. It was just I did it in ignorance. So I was uh, I was uh, charged with larceny of petrol. I used to steal my lunch regularly from the university cafeteria, and I would not. I just described myself as a person who never thought much about the meaning of life. I was just in it for the fun. And uh, all of that worked for me until the first time depression. I had an encounter with depression in my second year and third year of university. And for about nine months, I thought I would never be happy again. And uh, just a rolling dark period of very dark days. And that, uh, that kind of impacted me. But in the middle of that, I had a personal encounter with God came about. I was taking Helen out at that point. She was an Anglican girl. I'd go to her church. She'd come to mine. And uh, the reality was um, her minister asked me a question one night that kind of undid me. He asked me where I was with the Lord, and I didn't have a clue how you'd ever answer a question like that. I thought, well, how would you ever know? And uh, But it disturbed me because I realized I didn't know how to answer it. I, I didn't know how you'd ever would. Then a few weeks later, uh, I was in my own church and a visiting preacher preached a message on hell, 
which really got my attention because it made me wonder about what does it mean to be alive? Life is such a short period of time. It's just a sliver, in the, even in history, even in human history. Yep. One human life is just a sliver of time. And the question is, well, what's it about? What's it for? And what alarmed me was the recognition that if I was accountable to a creator, then it really mattered that I, that I knew that and then start asking the question of God, what do you want from me? I mean, what, what do you want from me? I spent four days. Uh, I was working in a university. Uh, during my university vacation, I was working in a quarry and had a lot of time on my own. And on four days into that quest of trying to think through what kind of human being I was prepared to be, God spoke to me, a voice in my chest. And he simply said to me, I want you to be a minister. Well, I had not put that on my list of life possibilities. Not on the bucket list? It was the last thing in the world that I ever wanted to be was a religious person. I just was totally, I was just not a religious person. I didn't mind church. I loved the music. I liked some of the ideas. But I did not want to be a religious person. And I had just had a just an encounter that really shook up, shook up my life. And over the next, the concluding of my training at uh, Monash University, had some really important discussions. And one of the things that I got that I got figured out with a discussion with an art student there one day was that if this was God who'd spoken to me, I really needed to take it seriously. And as a result, I just began to put, position myself and say, well, if, if that's what you want, I'll do whatever you say. I may not like it, but I will do what you say. And that uh, began to kind of frame the, uh, at least my disposition in life. Um, the one thing I felt I had on God was that because I'd been to Bible, I'd been to church all my life and I knew parts of the Bible. The Bible says in Romans 13 that you need to obey the civil authorities. You've got to take the civil authorities seriously. And I, I, I had signed a contract with the education department to uh, teach for three years. And so I said, well, if I have to be a minister, that'll be down the track because I have to teach for three years. Uh, you wrote the Bible. The Bible says obey the civil authorities. So at least for three years, you can't have me. Um, I get to be a, a school teacher. So I was posted off to... Lilydale High School in 1970, and it was there that I met a very interesting gentleman who had just emigrated from England, from uh, from London, uh, with his wife and children, and um, we connected in the staff room, and he began to coach me, and it just underlines the value of having a coach at every season of your life, because I wouldn't have known how to respond to what was a claim on my life without a coach and he began to coach me and he, he one thing he did he got me to read books and the first book he got me to read was a book on the life of George Whitfield and lots of Australians would have never heard the name George Whitfield they wouldn't even know who he was but he was a young uh, academic back in the 1700s who had his own personal encounter with God and became one of the greatest preachers the world has ever encountered and it was through his speaking that both England and the uh, emerging United States of America were profoundly impacted again to a place of faith. Lots of Australians don't have a faith and uh, they've, they've never seen a good reason to have one. Well, that's part of the business that I feel called to, to help people uh, answer the question, why should I believe and what should I believe? Because um, we find ourselves alive in an incredible universe. We find ourselves these extraordinary and magnificent beings who are so extraordinary that we can, in, we can look into the existence of things we can't measure or even see. How anyone ever figured out what the nature of the of atomic structure was when you can't even see it is just part of the brilliance of humanity, but the kind of the kind of brilliance that allows us to be talking over Zoom today, the kind of brilliance that allows us to send uh, little messengers and cameras to the uttermost parts of the solar system and now wandering off into the universe because we are an amazing creature. This amazing creature has come to understand at least some things about human life 
and one of them is that we ask questions. Who am I? What am I? What's the purpose of life? Is there a purpose for life? And it matters a great deal when people get answers to those questions. And when I first read The Life of George Whitfield, the thing that moved me so profoundly was that the history of Australia is really founded on the history of England. And the history of England was profoundly framed in the 1700s by the voices of people like George Whitfield, John Wesley, Charles Wesley, the, the founder of the Methodists, and so many of the good things that we experience in Western civilization, uh, we experience as the consequence of the impact of, of a great, uh, a great cluster of preachers, uh, 300 years ago. So when I, first time I realized that, I realized that this issue of being a speaker could mean that you could have a profound impact on the way in which life unfolds, if not for the world, at least for some individuals in your world. Because I may, I may never have the opportunity to speak to an entire globe, but I have a circle of influence. And if I have ideas and insights that can change people's lives and strengthen people's lives, then the role of a speaker, the role of a coach, is a profoundly important role. Absolutely. And uh, Absolutely. that all unfolded in the early part of my the first few years of my teaching experience. Wow, what a wonderful uh, beginning to a life that really has had a whole domino effect, really, hasn't it? And and what's what's evolved and what you're doing now. There's and you're talking about global impact. Well, even within your small sphere of influence, you know, there's a ripple effect. And uh, and I know, Alan, the stuff you do, you're impacting lives all around the world. Whether you've been there or not, it's happening. I've seen evidence of it. When you and I were over in the US uh, in September 2019 and, and speaking to a group at a church over there, and, and they're very, very impacted by you on the other side of the world. So anyway, mate, look, we're going to have a quick break, and then we're going to get back in and dig a bit deeper into you know the, some of the stuff you're doing, and then how do we help people build a, the foundation of really what is a, is a happy, healthy life, and that's finding their meaning and finding their purpose. So we'll be back shortly. How do you rate the most important things in your life? For many of us, long life and joy are high on the list. Important elements we can't buy, but the secret to attaining them is elusive and out of reach for many. Andrew Jobling has tackled these important questions in his book, The Wellness Puzzle, Living a Life of Joyful Longevity. Andrew solves the problem by teaching the seven pieces to optimal well-being. This is a must-read. Find out more about The Wellness Puzzle and Andrew's other books at andrewjobling.com.au. The first time I came into contact with you, Alan, was actually you were on a television screen and I was at the church and they were running a uh, a program called Man to Man, which, you know, I, as many people know, I'm just quite newly reborn Christian and I just started going to this church and, and they were just about to roll out this program for men called Man to Man. I thought, yeah, well, why not? And there you are on the screen, Alan Meyer, first time I've ever heard of you, first time I've ever seen you. And that was a really powerful, I would think it was about six or eight week program which had an incredible impact on my life. So, Alan, Man to Man is one of the programs you run. I know you've written an amazing book called From Good Man to Valiant Man and you run programs for men. I know you and your wife, Helen, you're doing stuff now for, for couples and for relationships. You do an yeah. enormous amount of stuff and speaking. <clears throat> Tell, just, you know, in a bit of a nutshell, because if we were here to talk about everything you do, mate, this podcast would go for seven days. But just give us a bit of a nutshell overview of the stuff you're currently doing and still looking to do. Yeah. Yeah, see what I did, what I, we do today really sprang out of two things. Firstly, it was an encounter with the power of God in which I went beyond the, the issue of exploring ideas to realizing that there was a power at work in these ideas that was beyond human power. The Holy Spirit really does touch people's lives. That's why I hope that through these conversations, people will start asking questions and encounter stuff they've never encountered before. First time I ever cast out a demon, changed my entire life. Uh, we are in a spiritual universe and we are while well, we are human beings and we are physical and a lot of what we are is cerebral a lot of what we are is mental a lot of what we are is what goes on in our thought processes and, and in our brains but we are more than that 
we are a spiritual being and deep within the the bottle the, the physical bottle of every human being there is a spirit and that spirit has a has a background the big story that most people have been told is that we are exalted animals we're the end product of evolutionary processes that we're nothing more than dumb stuff atoms and molecules the fact of the matter is that we are created in the image of god and we are not just physical beings we're spiritual beings and as a result uh, if you don't understand who you are you won't understand what you feel and the pressures that you're living under and i think it started with high school students realizing that by and large kids were just as lost as a goose in a hailstorm they had no idea which way was up they had no idea they had no compass for life and they were just wandering and when people wander they do self-destructive things we opened our home and started to share with kids and when they realized that there really was a source of information that they had, that had never been presented to them before the life of jesus the bible the history of israel they never the education had never connected them with that when they realized the implications of that it was just life changing and as a result over the, the next 7 years as a high school teacher i just watched what happened when kids realized they were not animals and realized there was a place that a human being can go and a god that a human being can connect with uh, out of that i was called to leave teaching and became a youth pastor in a local church then i was called to a church of christ in mount evelyn and for 27 years helen and i led a, a local church in mount evelyn and it was during those years that increasingly the cry of our heart was how do we help struggling people because the average australian is a materialist the average australian doesn't see themselves as a spiritual being they just see themselves as a material being and the more i understood the struggles of humanity the more i realized that one of the ways of discovering god is by helping people in the greatest area of their pain now men have pain women have pain married people have pain young people have pain old people have pain and as we began to appreciate where you could connect with that pain and how god could help people in that pain the more our teaching processes developed and a, a whole ministry we call careforce life keys developed out of that and and we developed these uh, teaching packages that uh, help you to connect with people and say we understand if if i understand what you're going through let me explain it and i'll say is this what you're going through and they say yes yes that that resonates well let me tell you here's where to go and so out of that we began to develop one course after another we've developed 15 of them and i had the pleasure of watching what i think is the most foundational of those courses which is called the search for life has just recently been translated into georgian what and i'm not I'm not talking about Georgia in the USA in the old USSR. <laughs> wow. And only just recently, I just just last week someone um sent me the translation of that course the search for life and it's simply helping men and women understand why they struggle with the things they struggle with and where to go for help. So that's what we've been doing and valiant man and man to man are two of the courses that have come out of that and journey. you do woman to woman as well is that one that helen helen yeah, that's helen, helen helen does woman to woman um together we do divorce recovery making marriage better i do one on mastering your money uh we do one on healthy lifestyle which we should add you do but we didn't know you then and uh well just a whole range for parenting for children for just for for people and all wow. of the different issues that they struggle with in life wow so ellen i think it would be fair to say you found your purpose you and Helen both of you through the glory of God and and just clarity around what you've been doing you've you've been able to find that meaning in life which people spend their whole life striving for or looking yeah. for or searching for and and you mentioned pain we're all in pain and I truly believe my pain came from just not knowing my what was my deal why why yeah. am I here and I think yeah. it's a such an ethereal question it's such a a question that's hard to find an answer for so that's why we're going to try and start that process for people i want people that are listening to this to really start to think about this because i truly believe from a well-being foundation this is a foundation of life if you haven't got something to stand on that gives you meaning gives your life purpose i truly feel like you're going to stumble and i think people are stumbling all around the world because they they haven't yet really connected into what's important to them what their meaning and their purpose is so 
I know it's a big question, and really we've probably only got about 15 minutes or so to try and get into it. But, I mean, for you, Ellen, how was it you started to come about identifying your meaning, your purpose? Well, I think I knew my purpose all my life, but I hadn't realised how God how it was supposed to be lived out. And ever since I was a child, all I ever wanted to do was be a teacher. And sometimes I think it's as basic as that. Uh, what is the thing that you've always that you felt that you've always been alive for. I didn't put it into a bigger framework. I just thought that the thing that I wanted to do that I would enjoy doing most would be to be a teacher because I've always enjoyed education. I've always enjoyed the fact that once you know, you are empowered. Once you have a skill, there's something that you can do that you couldn't do before. And I didn't mind where I expressed that. Now, because I wasn't a serious person when I was in year 11, I fooled around so much uh, that I stayed down a year. And I was studying physics and chemistry and uh, biology and all that stuff, and I failed because I just was fooling around. So the next year, I went back and did year 11 again, and then I had to change to accounting and economics and all of that, and legal studies. And the fact is, I could have been a teacher with expressed it differently, but because of the, I fooled around in one year, it gets expressed in quite a different way. I have always been fascinated with the miracle of life. I think one of the most stunning evidences we have that we are surrounded by the most brilliant mind that you could ever imagine is, is simply DNA, uh, the miracle that things can actually live, that life actually exists. And uh, I guess the, the thing that uh, I've dis- I have discovered over time is that I think from birth I was always intended to be a teacher But the one who created me knew that if I was confined to just teaching economics and accounting and legal studies, there would come a time when I would be bored, and that is a very dangerous state for a human being to be in. When you don't have a sense of the bigness of why you are alive and boredom sets in, it sets you up for an encounter with something that you then mistake as the meaning of your life. And we can do that. This is, what, this is where addictions come from. There's a cry in the human heart to comprehend what am I here for? And if you apprehend it, you live life with a sense of bigness that guards you from becoming bored with what you're doing because boredom opens the door to analgesics. Boredom is another form of pain because this is my view. I believe every one of us were made for heaven, we were made for eternity, and we were made for God. And because we live in a broken, fallen world, I've never seen God. This is not heaven. I mean, Melbourne's nice, but it's not heaven. And in the absence of the thing you're born for, you have a thirst. And you too puts it brilliantly. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. There's this endless search to try to fill in the gap. What am I alive for? And every now and then you'll bump into something. It could be sex, it can be porn, it can be drugs, it can be sport, it can be achievement, it can be writing big check, and it thrills your heart and you think, this is what I was born for, and you start chasing it like a ferret down a rabbit hole. And then you find yourself chasing that rabbit until you run out of rabbit holes to look down and one more time you're exhausted. I thought I'd found the meaning of life and this just isn't it. It's a bigger thing than what I thought it was. And often people in that state find themselves deeply trapped. And then comes the next most dangerous stage when people become so deeply discouraged that they will never find the meaning of life. It leads to a sense of despair. And that's where suicide becomes a tenable option in the heart, in a broken heart of a human being. It started with the search for life. I chased a bunch of rabbits down a bunch of holes. I found out those holes didn't lead anywhere that was ultimate or eternal. And eventually I gave up and I sat down and said, what's the point of living? And, and that's what I bumped into. And I have given my life to trying to confront men and women at various stages of that struggle. And uh, the miracle is that w- when people kind of in the middle of their struggle and their pain begin to pay attention in a way they've never paid attention before, suddenly doors of opportunity open and that's where sometimes pain and frustration can be the greatest most important moment of your life 
because now you have to confront yourself and you have to ask the question, why do I feel like this? What's happening to me? Is there any way forward from here? And I thank God that I think that uh, some of the material that we've developed not only connects with people who really do find themselves thirsty and not knowing where to get a drink, hungry for something they couldn't even define, struggling with emotions that they not even sure that they could put words to, longing for things they not even sure even exist, and eventually either being trapped in some addictive cycle or just coming to the end, end of themselves and being despairing. I believe that these are the most important moments in life. And it's why a podcast like this can be so profoundly important because people will listen to this and say, you know, that's exactly where I am. And the question then becomes, well, where to from here? And that is the question, isn't it? Because I'm sitting here and I'm watching you on Zoom and I totally forgot I was interviewing you. I just thought I was watching a video and I was just listening so intently to what you were saying and just resonating with it. And you're right. People listening to this are resonating and they're, and they're sitting there going, great, Alan, you've told me what's wrong. How am I supposed to get out of this spot? Because I think I truly whether it's a spiritual reason or whatever, people are lost. You know, look around the world, people are spending their life in jobs they don't like, in relationships which they're struggling with, they're struggling with their health, financially they're struggling. They're struggling everywhere. People are struggling everywhere. And I truly, you believe this also, that it's find that thing, find that purpose, find that, that platform, find that bigness that you are talking about and everything will change in a heartbeat. So how do we go about the process of starting to find that purpose. Well, I, think, I think sometimes you can do it by the process of elimination. And this works for me. I look, first of all, at what does science tell me is the meaning of life? Uh, it's interesting. I, I, could just, I just wish I could, you could get the whole of Australia in a room for 10 minutes and talk about this one issue. See, when you ask a scientist, what is the meaning of life? They will have to say, well, there really is no meaning. Uh, And the reason there's no meaning is because the universe does not exist for a purpose. It exists by accident. They will talk about the Big Bang, an explosion in nothing, out of which everything came, out of which matter itself evolved, and that through a process of evolution, life evolved. And then through a process of evolution from goo to you by way of the zoo, the only reason you exist is because you are the end product of four and a half billion years of evolutionary processes. And so what's the purpose of your life? And the answer is nothing more than survival. That's it, survive. Now, if you tell that to someone, this is your main reason in life, just survive. Um, Very soon, especially in a country like Australia, where survival is not the biggest question, although in in the middle of a COVID-19 virus, it becomes more important. You can tell that, to someone in a desperate environment and because we have been created to live in a desperate environment just surviving can occupy your attention so fully that you don't think of a bigger picture the problem is the moment you solve the question of survival then the question becomes well is there any more to it than that and evolution says well there can't be because there is no purpose But then you come to someone who begins to examine a human being as they really are. And Sigmund Freud was the first of the psychologists or psychiatrists who attempted to analyze what was going on inside a human being and say, is really that's what is that what a human being is all about? Survival. And in his analysis of human beings, he came to a different conclusion. He said, no, it's more than survival. The meaning of life is pleasure. So that's why we're alive, to to have as as many pleasurable experiences as we possibly can. Well, history gives us some people who tried to make that their meaning of life. And I think one of the most important witnesses to the question of whether pleasure is enough for a human being to say, well, this is the meaning of my life, is you take someone who had the chance to do it all. And Solomon was one of those people. And you go back 3,000 years, and Solomon actually wrote a book about his attempt to make pleasure the meaning of his life. It's in the Bible. It's called the book of Ecclesiastes or the, the book of the preacher. And his whole story is, I tried to figure out what the meaning of life was. And he said, I took every pleasurable thing a person can do and I turned it into a research project. And I thought, 
I'm going to study myself and I'm going to give myself to every different form of pleasure. And so away he goes. He, he start, you, and you could, I mean, I, get, I had a pretty good crack at that myself as a young Australian, <laughs> you know, football, golf. Uh, for me, it was never drugs. I, I, drugs was never an issue. And alcohol was never a big issue either. But for me, it was things like sport and food and fooling around, just having fun, fishing, anything that was fun I was doing. There comes a moment when you realise it's not enough. Then comes a guy who was a follower of Sigmund Freud, and his name was Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl, he started to wonder, he started to ask the question that w- whether Sigmund Freud had it right. I mean, is pleasure enough? And it was Viktor Frankl who began to dig deeper into the human struggle, and he said, no, people need meaning, not just pleasure. I mean, pleasure with no sense of meaning to it will eventually become as boring as any other uh, reason for life. And so he said, no, people need meaning. And uh, he carried that uh, quest for understanding of what makes a human being work and what makes a human being function well. And he took it into the Austrian scene where students were committing suicide when their exam results came out and they'd failed and it looked like their future had gone blank and there was no meaning. And he began to counsel them to search for meaning, search for meaning. There really is a meaning. And I tell you what I find so moving about Viktor Frankl was that he eventually distilled his understanding of what becomes essential to meaning in a human life. He had to discover that in a, in a German concentration camp when there was no pleasure to, divert, to, to be a big diversion. And that's what I reckon this COVID thing can do for us at this moment. It's a bit like your own German concentration camp. I mean, you can sit there and watch Netflix all day, but anyone who's done that for more than a week says, flip, is Netflix the meaning of life? No, and definitely then, not. If it is, well, shoot me now because, you know, it's, I know, it's, it's, just, it's just not enough. It's so exciting to the thought of sitting down and watching movie after movie after movie and then after about two or three you go, oh, my gosh, there's, oh, got, to be more, there's got to kill me now. <laughs> exactly, shoot me now. And I just don't want to watch another movie. And it was Viktor Frankl. I think he put his finger on the core of what's going on in the human heart when he said these words, uh, that he, he discovered this in a miserable day in a German concentration camp. He said this, for the first time in my life, I saw the truth, the truth as it is said in a song by so many poets and proclaimed as the final wisdom by so many thinkers, the truth that love is the ultimate and highest goal to which man can aspire. He said, then I grasp the meaning of the greatest secret that human poetry and human thought and belief have to impart. The salvation of man is through love and in love. And that brings you straight back to Jesus. Jesus said, greater love has no man than this that to lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus said this, love one another as I have loved you, because you see, the reason that love is the core call upon a human heart is that you are not the end product of a chemistry set. You came from love. You are the product of love. For God himself is love, and he has created this solar system and this universe, and he has created every human being to be loved to experience love and to discover the power of love. And while there's there's more to be said than this, it takes us to the core of what life is about. Science would say to you, the core meaning of life is nothing more than survival. But reality says that will never be enough for a human being because we came from love we were, and we are going, we're heading towards an eternity of love. And as a result, love becomes the greatest quest in human life and you serving the way the way you served me over those those weeks that uh, i was losing weight that was an act of love that has profoundly added to my life you and i sharing this with other people today is simply an act of love on your part in wanting to share with them ideas and insights that could actually change the direction of people's lives why because we love them Absolutely. we want to see something good happen for them Absolutely, Alan. That was that was incredible. And I guess the example for me that really brought home 
this meaning and this purpose that love is the the key meaning was watching my mum outlive a cancer diagnosis by 15 years so and i write about her in in one of my books and and i talk about her all the time and she was diagnosed with breast cancer originally and and never really took any responsibility didn't change anything thought she'd be okay handed herself to the medical profession to fix her thought she was okay thought it was all clear and then 18 months later this cancer reappears in her liver as a incredibly life-threatening and according to the medical fraternity this was going to end her life within a couple of years and and she had to really sit there and everything you've been talking about and go okay well why am i here what because survival is not enough it was never enough for her just to want to survive there had to be more to it and when she distilled that down to what is most important in my life it came down to one word and that word is love love for a family wanting to be around love wanting to share and there was that love that got her up and doing things that for many years she always she she couldn't do or she tried yeah. to give up smoking couldn't she yeah. tried to exercise and eat better and couldn't or didn't want to or there was nothing really strong enough or foundational enough that would move her to do those things and then all of a sudden she clicked in to purpose into meaning for her and all of a sudden all the things that she was negotiating for so long she did and she was you know another 15 years of life I wish she'd maybe tapped into that purpose earlier in her life. Maybe she'd yeah. still be here. But yeah. so true, mate. So true. I read your book on your mum and I found it very moving. And I showed it to Helen and I said, sweetheart, when you write a book, write it like this, uh, with those wonderful insights that came from even the smaller, small chapters and small experiences in her life that still down, distilled down to wisdom, that which any human being could apply. And I think there, uh, it became through so clearly in your book that y- your mother's love for you, for her husband, for her family, and her willingness to fight, not just to survive, but to be a blessing. Uh, and that is where, you know, often I will say to men, one of the reasons you're struggling with your life is you've never appreciated that as a, as a man, God has a purpose for you. And one of the purposes in your life is to love a little cluster of people around you and live for their benefit and uh, it's one of the core reasons that I live my life quite differently it's one of the reasons why I uh, went to you for help because I realized if I'm going to serve this woman that has trusted her life to me I'm not living in a way that gives her guarantees her a best the best run for her money Uh, I need to I need to do something about my health why well partly because the stronger I am and the healthier I am, the more I can serve that little girl, the more I can serve my children, and the more I can serve a, a humanity that needs serving. They need help. So this whole issue of seeing one of the great purposes in life is that you are alive to love and be loved is one of the great insights that can help to lead us into healthier ways of understanding what life's about. Oh, totally, Alan. That is fantastic. It's so good. And I really hope people that are listening to this getting this message because when it comes to ourselves we tend not to place that massive you know love of ourselves or importance ourselves people compromise their health all the time people spend their money irresponsibly people compromise their job their career thinking that well it's just me it's not that big a deal i can do what i want but they're not realizing that every choice they're making is having an influence on the people that they love you know when you choose to smoke you're influencing the people that you love when you choose when you choose to exercise you're influencing the people that you love when you choose to smile and give a word of praise and encouragement it's impacting the people that you love and i think when you come back to that purpose of my purpose here is to love then all of a sudden you start making the different choices right like you've just said you've refocused in on love and okay i need to look after me because it's not just about me it's about helen and it's about my kids and it's about my grandkids and it's about the people that i care about and i think that i hope the people listening to this podcast are getting this loud and clear we're going to have another quick break and then we're going to come back and wind it all up but al thanks mate that was incredible no worries Life has many unexpected twists and turns. 
We all go through ups and downs. We all have a problem we want to fix or a quality we want to improve. It can be difficult to find time for wellness in today's world. And that's why you need a partner. That's where Best Being comes in. Best Being is the first AI-backed wellness discovery and engagement platform that helps you learn about your wellness and matches you with wellness services based on your individual goals and needs. Signing up is easy and you can start your journey to a better you in minutes. Visit bestbeing.com today to learn more and get started. This has been a pretty powerful podcast, certainly for me. I, I don't know about the people listening to it, Alan, but you've certainly had another impact on me, and I love listening to you talk. You know, I wish people could see you right now because I'm watching you as you talk, and there's such a passion in your eyes for the message that you're trying to share with people, and clearly I can see that love, and clearly I can see that purpose. So I guess as we're, we're coming towards the, the wrapping up part of this particular podcast, if people were sitting there going, okay, yeah, yeah, that's all great, it's great, is there a couple of takeaways you would give people, just simple things they could do to start working towards this this wonderful place of purpose and meaning? Yeah. Well, I, I've got a bias here, and that is because I'm so convinced as a creationist that I'm not an animal, um, my great concern consistently is to try to point people just beyond trivial searches to something more important. But the thing is, the trivial searches, and when I say trivial, the, just the things of life. They're, they're trivial in the sense that 100 years from now, nearly everything that you're worried about will be will mean absolutely nothing. Very few of the things. I've, I've, I'm out there trying to groove my golf swing at the moment, taking lessons again. If you want to improve, it, almost always you need a coach because you just can't see yourself all the things you need help with. But 100 years from now, the reality will be there'll be very, uh, there'll be very little uh, consequence of the time that I put into swinging my golf club. And yet I, I don't dismiss it as a nothing because it's part of what draws me out into the fresh air and it's part of what gets me to do 15,000 steps in a day. It's part of what helps me to just enjoy the fact that I'm alive. And while it's not eternally important it just plays a little part in putting salt and pepper and making life a wonderful experience i just tend to want to draw people to bigger thoughts but start with where you are see i gotta be honest and say i started where i was simply because i always wanted to be a teacher then there was a power beyond myself there was a mind bigger than my life and bigger than the universe itself who knows my name I'd like to say this to every one of you, whether you believe in God or not, the fact is he knows you. He knows your name. He knows the number on the letterbox outside your house. He knows where you put your head down on the pillow every night. He knows what you groan about and he knows what you are excited about. And one of the most wonderful thoughts that can ever enter into your heart is that I'm really not alone. See, I reckon there's nothing sadder than watching a kid who's lost. You see a kid in a supermarket that's lost mum or dad, three or four-year-old, running up and down the aisles looking for mum or dad and they can't find them and they're just and they're, they're distressed. Well, that's what people are like in this life. It's like the world is like a big supermarket and many people are wandering up and down the aisles. They have no, they have no, no sense of where their home is or what their home is about. One of the greatest thoughts can ever come to you is that you do have a father, you do have a home and he knows you and the, you begin to say, well, what do you want from me? Uh, once you ask, start asking that question, God has ways of bringing people into your world who will help you answer that question. I think it's a, when, when that begins to awaken. The reason it becomes so important is because, let, let me take, take a proverb that was uh, written by Solomon. He said this, where there is no prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. When you don't have a sense even a, even a broad sense of what the big issues of life are, you cast off restraint. You damage your health, you damage your finances, you damage your relationships, you damage your integrity, you, you damage everything. And as a result, it has helped me to, to be very clear on a number of things. Firstly, I'm a man. I'm satisfied that I'm a man. I don't have gender dysphoria. Uh, I've, I realize I'm not only male, I'm a man. 
And so I realise that uh, I have a peculiar capacity in life to either bless people or hurt people. I've made a decision that a little girl made a promise to me 52 years ago and that it matters to her that I keep that promise and that I, I'm, that I honour it. And so it's one of the things that caused me to get up out of bed in the morning, keep my health, uh, stir up, walk up to the gym, work out. Although they've shut my gym. They shut the door. That one promise goads me to want to do things that if I was left to myself, I'd dwell carelessly. Why don't I be, why, why am I not careless? Because I've become, it's clearer about the fact that I made promises to her and she deserves to have a man with a fit body and a fit mind. So that means making decisions uh, that matter. Then it comes, uh, I guess, the recognition that I was made for work. When God put Adam and Eve in the, in the garden, the first thing he said to Adam, he says, I've put you in here to do two things, to work and to take care, to guard, to keep and protect. So one of the privileges of life is realising that if I work at what I, at what I do, other people are going to get blessed. If Andrew works away at his books and his, these podcasts, other people through this work will find they're blessed. When a bus driver gets up in the morning and takes his lunch pail and heads off to work, and he, and he keeps his bus on the timetable, and he drives carefully. He carries people to where they couldn't get by themselves, and he blesses them in their work. And so I add to this, this idea of love that I'm alive to love. I can't love everybody in the whole world, but I can love a cluster of people that I can actually reach out and touch. The second thing is I can do meaningful work. And again, here's something Solomon found out. Uh, he said this, a person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. You are not made to be useless. You are made to be useful. And there's a deep cry in every human heart to be useful. Well, have you found a way to be useful? A farmer has found a way to be useful. Feed people. A teacher has found a way to be useful. A coach has found a way to be useful. Take delight in the fact that you can bless somebody beyond yourself. There is another thing that uh, Solomon said about work. He said, I know that there's nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. Another one, moreover, when God gives someone's wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. I like my golf clubs because I didn't steal them. <laughs> That's good <laughs> news, mate. That's good news. They were a gift from Aaron Badley. Wow. That's exciting. And do they work was, as well for you as they do for him? Uh, we, he, I, I, was, I was able to coach him in some of those things at the beginning, at the, the early part of uh, his golfing career. He gave me a set of golf clubs. Each time I take these golf clubs, I enjoy them. And I, and I realize it's God who's given me the ability to not only have a possession like a set of golf clubs, but to enjoy the golf clubs. Although there are time moments that I want to throw them in the, in the lagoon um, with a little coaching, I can, I can enjoy these things and, in, and be happy in, uh, in possessing it and in using it. But even a greater thing is, this, is to be happy in my toil. Sitting here today with Andrew is a delight for me because I know that through his connections, some people are going to listen to this and someone in the, in, over the, in the next weeks, in fact, many someones are going to say, I really needed to hear that. And when I heard it, it made sense. And now I want to ask another question. I mean, what does God want from me? Um, how would I ever get to know God? Well, that brings us right into what the whole of our Careforce Life Keys is all about. And if ever you want to connect with some of the more extensive programs and courses that we've developed, well, it would be my pleasure in one way or another to lead you down a pathway of understanding even more about why you're alive, how you can know God, how you can connect with him. But I take delight in just being able to share insights and thoughts and teaming up with Andrew to do this today has been a a real privilege, and I'm enjoying every moment of it. Even if you aren't, I am. <laughs> uh, well, I know I am, and and if people are still listening, then they sure have as well. And if they weren't listening, they were switched off. And 
And it's interesting. Some people may have switched off, and that, that's their choice. That's their call. And sometimes when it comes to dealing with uncomfortable things, it's easier to turn away from that. But, but I mean, just even just wrapping up a couple of things you've just said then, I think there's two things for people to, to take away from today. Number one is is to focus on who you love, who you influence, and allow that thought and that love and that feeling and that devotion to impact the choices that you're making. Because if those choices that you're making are at some point going to hurt, harm those relationships or those people, then maybe you want to rethink that. And I think the second thing you talked about was the love of toil and the love of work and doing value. And I think there's a lot of people in the world, maybe someone listening to this that goes to work every day because I've got to go to work and it's they're not singing hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work we go there. They're dragging themselves out of bed. They're stressed. They're anxious. They're not loving what they do because maybe they're just not looking at it from the through the right perspective you talked about the bus driver you know how many bus drivers sit in their bus going i'm making a difference i'm transporting people to places where they're going to impact other people so i'm an integral part of a of a ripple effect that's having a positive impact around the world i mean yeah. i don't know how many bus drivers think or believe that but they should you know how how many people that drive a garbage truck really believe they're having an impact how many people that that sit in a call center or how many people that are, you know, are doing data entry, how many people that are lawyers or doctors or accountants or whatever you do that are sitting there maybe resenting their job and not liking or not feeling like they're having an impact. But actually when you truly think about it, whatever you do, you're, you are impacting lives. You're Absolutely. having a positive impact. And when the second you can start to think about it from that perspective, all Absolutely. of a sudden, we can start to enjoy what we do on a day-to-day basis better. We're going to feel better. We're going to have stronger, positive emotions. We're going to be healthier. We're going to be better in our relationships, and everything's going to improve. Let me tell you a story about a friend of mine who's he works for a company that makes locks and keys, or they sell and market locks and keys. And he's a storeman. So he oversees pallet loads of locks and keys when they get shipped in. He puts them all over the factory, gets them lined up, and he makes sure the, some orders go out. Here is a guy who you could say, well, what a boring job. He said, I go to work every single day and I can't wait to get there for a number of reasons. He said, number one, I have an employer who makes it possible for me to put bread on the table and food on the table for my wife and give me enough left over to be blessing to other people. I want to serve that guy the best I can. Secondly, a whole other bunch of other people are going to come to work today and they're going to be in my space. And I want to influence those people and encourage them and, and help them to make the best day possible. He focuses, firstly, on loving his employer, secondly, on loving the other people that work around him, and, and thirdly, taking delight that I don't just go to work to get a pay packet so I can go home and have some pleasure. This, um, this work that I do allows me to connect with people he said, I work hard, I delight in what I do, and, uh, and I love every moment of it. And it's all because of his mindset, the way he views what he's doing. He's one of the most enthusiastic people I've ever met. And I love the way in which he approaches the core of his life. And as a result, there are, there are uh, lots of people who think he's one of the most influential. He, he, he ships locks and keys. They see him as one of the most impacting people who've ever met in their life because he makes them realize that their life is valuable, that someone cares about me, that I could be improving every day of my life simply because of the way he does his work. Well, I certainly think he's got the key to unlock the secrets of life, Alan. There we go, mate. Pardon the pun. Anyway, what a wonderful way to wrap up what's been an absolutely inspiring podcast. So, Alan, just before we do, if people want to contact you, what's the best way to do that? Well, probably the best way is online, probably the simplest. And if you just Type in careforcelifekeys.org in one word. C-A-R-E-F-O-R-C-E-L-I-F-E-K-E-Y-S, careforcelifekeys.org in one word. You'll get our phone number. You'll be able to interact with everything we are. And if in any way I can help you, you can always email me through that website. And uh, if in any way I can help you, that's what we live for. Absolutely. And if, and if you have trouble getting to Alan, you can contact Alan through me uh, at any point as well. Yeah. Alan, it's been a pleasure, mate. As always, look forward to the journey ahead and thank you for sharing. 
Good on you, mate. No problem. My goodness. If you're listening to me right now and you got all the way through that podcast, then your life has been blessed. Alan Meyer, what an inspirational man he is. Whether or not you have a Christian belief, I think there were some incredible takeaways from that conversation with Alan Meyer, certainly around finding your purpose, certainly around working out what it is you love the most and truly tapping into the power that is held within love in terms of impacting the choices you're making, the things that you're doing, the purpose that you're put on this planet for. So thank you again to Dr. Alan Meyer. That was wonderful. If you want to contact Alan, you can do so through his website. And rather than me trying to spell that, that'll be in the notes for this podcast. My sponsors, thank you to them. Best Being, www.bestbeing.com. My website, www.andrewjobling.com.au. Thank you so much for being part of this week's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope and I know that if you took notice of what Alan said in this episode and you apply that, your life is going to be better and changed and blessed forever. So thanks for being a part. I look forward to talking more with you next week when we interview another inspiring person. So the Wellness Puzzle Podcast, my name's Andrew Jobling and we'll talk to you very soon. Music.